It's a good thing to honor people, would you agree? Yes, we should honor one another. It's scriptural. So today, listen, I want to honor the one that we just sang to. If you're not careful, you can say, I don't know that song. And I didn't know the first song we sang, Chris, just to be transparent. The one I got after baptism, I didn't know it. So I was reading the words, and by the time you read the words, what happens? The song's already passed you, right? It's like going by you 50 miles an hour. So I still praise in my heart, but didn't know the song. So I was actually, I was reading the words to honor the Lord this morning. Because I happen to know the God that we're singing to this morning. Did you know that? I know him personally. And I know his address, and he knows me. Matter of fact, he knows how many hairs are on my head this morning. That's an easy count, I know. I hear those comments often. But the Bible says he numbered my days. We just sang till he returns or calls me home. How is he going to call you home? It's through death. There's a stat out there that 100% of 100% of people die, right? You're going to die or the Lord's going to take us out through the rapture. Either way, we get out of this place. We're just pilgrims passing through. So today, if you with that in mind, as we think about our temporary stay here, how many of you ever been tent camping? You ever been, not camping in a camper, but tent camping? How many of y'all actually like tent camping? What's wrong with y'all? There's nothing glamorous about it. Now, glamping, I'm not talking about. And camper, I'm not talking about. But tent camping, especially like when so we, we got invited to tent camp at, is it Fripp Island, Wendy? Was that the place? A.K.A. The Mosquito Island. And I draw mosquitoes like, like honey, uh, bees to honey. I'm just, I just, I, I draw them. And I probably was eaten half dead by mosquitoes. So if somebody says, hey, would you like to go to Fripp Island? The answer is, before you even ask me, hey, Pastor, my family's got a place at Fripp Island. Would you like, the answer is absolutely not. No, no, thank you. God bless you. Thanks for offering. Not interested in going to Fripp Island. Don't even like going to Buford. If I go to Buford, no CMs. I am a smorgasbord for no CMs. I come back looking like I have leprosy. So it's not my choice. I've tried DEET. I've tried everything the Army has. I've tried everything that the, the, the shrimpers have down at the, uh, in Edisto. I don't, those places, just, they get me. Well, we're going to be talking about an island today, and as we transition here and look at this island, and we're going to see a man there named John, and John's going to have a vision that's revealed from God to him, inspired to write. He's a senior adult. Let me go ahead and set the stage. John's somewhere in between 70, 80, or 90 years old. Uh, scholars can only guess. And this is something I was never taught as a kid. John is banished or exiled to the Patmos Island. We say the Isle of Patmos is the way the King James would say it, but we would call it Patmos Island, right? Anybody ever been to the Isle of Edisto? Yeah, what do we call it though? We call it Edisto Island. It's just Edisto. So Isle of Patmos is just Patmos Island. It's off Turkey. If you look at a map, you can see it. And it's just off the coast of Turkey. It's a chain of islands. And it's where the Romans would send prisoners. They would send people there who were against Rome. They would banish them there, and they would have to work in mines, or they would have to work in quarries, and they would have to work to actually, basically just to pay their debt to Rome. And so John has been banished there. He's going to tell us why he was put there, and then he's going to tell a story. Now, what I didn't know when I was a kid is John actually left the Isle of Patmos, the Patmos Island. So he didn't, he didn't die on the island. He actually leaves, and then we don't have, he's the only apostle that we think uh, in history that died a natural death. So we're going to look and see with that in mind that actually he's here. He's writing from this island. It's not a resort island, so don't get that in your mind. Oh, it'd been beautiful to write from an island. He's sitting there drinking coconuts and uh, eating pineapple. That's not what's happening. It's very rough labor. He's a senior adult. And you imagine as we get older, our hands hurt, our backs hurt. Imagine having to do slave labor as a senior adult there in the hot sun and having to find your way because the Romans put you there to punish you 
And instead of being crucified, he's banished to this island, and therefore he has to do hard labor. So let's, let's begin Revelation chapter 1. If you missed last week, I would encourage you to get the notes. I will publish. Uh, we're going to start trying to hopefully try to put a link out so you can actually link to some of the notes. Because if you take notes, write this at the top of your notes. You can type in any Google search you want to type. You can do that. I'm not always 100% sure what you're going to get. But on the website, so it's actually very good, and I tell you, I'm 99.9% pleased with it. There's a couple of things I disagree, but it's not doctrinally to the point it would lead somebody astray. But if you go to gotquestions.org, I, like you say, I got questions, the way we used to say it when we were kids. I don't have questions, I got questions. So gotquestions.org, and you can type in Revelation, you can type in uh, the seven uh, lampstands, you can type in the seven stars, you can type in any searches you want to search. And if there's been an article written about it, there'll be articles from lots of different authors, from Adrian Rogers, uh, John MacArthur, uh, Charles Stanley, uh, Ryrie. There's a lot of people that's listed. They'll, they'll quote their work. So if you do use it, please, please, please give a reference that if you put it on Facebook or somewhere like that, that you actually didn't come up with it. Because sometimes we're not we're infamous about uh, saying this is uh, just putting a quote out there. Try to quote the source that who said it. And we know it all comes back from the Word of God. But uh, you might be careful, especially in Revelation. If you put out a quote out there and somebody says, oh, I didn't know that. Can you meet with me for coffee and tell me more about it? <laughs> if you're not prepared to tell more about it, then don't put out the quote that it came from you, okay? So study, your, study to prove yourself a work but not ashamed of the Word of God, okay? Revelation chapter 1, we're going to pick up in verse 9. Now, Jesus, we finished last week, and somebody says, how in the world are we going to get through this in 13 weeks? And I uh, said, you only did eight verses this Sunday, so... Uh, look ahead, the ver- chapters are short, we're going to cover, we're going to call it clumps of chapters together, and we know that we're only skipping rocks, so we're not, this is not a detailed dive, I want you to get the image of, especially of Jesus Christ today, the one you just sang to, and see if this was the image of the, of the mindset that you had the vision of the Son of Man. Let's pick, it, pick up in verse 9, John writing, I, John, both your brother and companion in the tribulation and kingdom and patience of Jesus Christ was on the Patmos Island. And why was he there? For the word of God and for the testimony of Jesus Christ. I was in the spirit of the Lord's day, and I heard behind me a loud voice as a, of a trumpet. Let me stop there for just for a second. We just spoke a couple weeks ago when we were in the book of Joel. What was the loud trumpet? It's called a what? Shofar. Shofar. It broadcasts out. Yeah, you're from South Carolina. Shofar, right? Shofar, it just that loud. Imagine how loud it's going to be, and even louder than that. And it was a voice speaking. And I want to give you an idea, too, when I read it. So I need to give you a... How many of y'all have been to Niagara Falls? Anybody ever been to Niagara Falls or seen pictures of Niagara Falls? If you turn the volume up, we've been there more than one time. We take the Canadian trips, the mission trips. Uh, if you take notes, there's 3,160 tons of water flowing over Niagara Falls every second. If you ever go there, what, what happens to your heart? You're just overwhelmed. If you go stand, you can almost, kids can tell you, this crazy child did a handstand on the post that would fall over at, at uh, Niagara Falls. It's not very safe at all. I mean, you take, you step over the banister and jump if you wish. But the water flows right here, hits the corner, and you are just, uh, what, 10 to 15 feet from the water, and all this metric tons of water is just flowing right by you. I mean, you can literally... It feels like you could, you could jump in it and just die immediately, it seems like. But that roar, that all the, the, the mist that comes up and all the different things, the, even the fear in your heart of that water when you hear the pressure of it dropping and just the, the, all the, the turning and churning of the water, 
it, it'll blow your mind. So John has this when he mentions the voice of the Lord Jesus Christ. Think of the shofar, that loud, loud sound, and think of the water rushing of that tremendous water that's going. And he's on an island, of course. He's been used to storms, and y'all know what, what kind of, what's the worst kind of storm that happens in South Carolina? Charleston faced it a long time ago. What is it? Hurricane. So islands get all those heavy windstorms, especially around Turkey, this area. A lot of wind, a lot of damage. So he knows what he's talking about when he's, he's given an idea. He's trying to put it in finite words, what he's experiencing of the infinite Lord. Verse 10, I was in the spirit on the Lord's day, and I heard behind me a loud voice as of a trumpet saying, I am the Alpha and the Omega, the first and the last. And what you see, write in a book and send it to the seven churches which are in Asia, to Ephesus, to Smyrna, to Pergamos, to Thyatira, to Sardis, to Philadelphia, and to Laodicea. Now, I've got to stop here, too, because I don't want you to see this. He's off the coast of Turkey. If you look at the Aegean Sea, is everybody familiar with the Mediterranean Sea? And then the Aegean Sea juts up uh, just between Italy and, and just, just between Italy and, and there in uh, uh, Turkey. There's the chain of islands, and he's just off the coast there. And he's speaking to the churches of Asia, which is just on the mainland. They would be in, if you were going to Myrtle Beach, they would be in Conway, South Carolina. Is everybody familiar with that? They're not on the beach, but you know you're almost at the beach. You're almost there. So these islands, or these churches would be just from his island where he's writing from, jump over onto the mainland. And then he, there's a, it was almost a horseshoe circulation, a postal service, if you will. The 29803s were all together. All right, they were in circulation together. So the message went to Ephesus first. And I always I drew a candlestick. You'll see this in just a moment. Uh, I drew a candlestick that ESP, TSP, losers. All right, just remember that. ESP, right there at the top, ESP, letters ESP, TSP, losers. All right, it's the way I do things to memorize things. I have to be weird. So the name, the ESP, what's the first church? There, jump across the mainland. What's the first church? E. Second church, third church, come over just a little bit deeper inland, come over to the next church, next church, next church, and finally, losers, right, Laodicea, right, uh, when you look at Laodicea, they're a terrible church, they're still the people of God, but they're living in sin, God wants to throw them up out of his mouth, he calls them the church of vomit, if you will, it's an awful, awful word that he has for them, so ESP, TSP, Losers is how I remember it, all right? Let's, and I shouldn't call them losers. Somebody will tell me after church, Pastor, you should never call anybody losers. Okay, Laodiceans, that's worse. All right, let's continue. Verse 12, Then I turned to see the voice that spoke with me, and having turned, I saw seven golden lampstands. And in the midst of the seven lampstands, one, like the, like the Son of Man, clothed with a garment down to the feet and girded about the chest with a golden band. His head and hair were white like wool, as white as snow, and his eyes like a flame of fire. His feet were like fine brass, as if refined in a furnace. And his voice as the sound of Niagara Falls, or many waters. It, he, his, he had in his right hand seven stars, and out of his mouth a sharp two-edged sword. And his countenance was like the sun shining in its strength. And when I saw him, I fell at his feet as dead. He laid his right hand on me, saying to me, Do not be afraid. I am the first and the last. Verse 18. I am he who lived, who lives, and was dead. And behold, I am alive. How long, church? Forevermore. Amen. 
And I have the keys of Hades, or your translation might say hell, and of death. Verse 19. Write the things which you have seen, and the things which are, and the things which will take place after this. Verse 20. The mystery of the seven stars which you saw in my right hand, and the seven golden lampstands. The seven stars are the angels of the seven churches, and the seven, seven lampstands which you saw are the seven churches. Let's pray together. Father, would you give us an understanding of your word today, that we might, Lord, not just uh, be more knowledgeable, that, Lord, we'd be wise as serpents and gentle as doves. Lord, as we go into this world that we know persecuted you, as in this case had been persecuting John, but, Lord, we're looking past the persecution tribulation time, and, Lord, we're looking to the time of being glorified with you. Praise the name of Jesus Christ. Amen and amen. Well, if you go to your notes, I want you to see this. And if you didn't get a bulletin when you came in, does anybody need a bulletin? It has the notes on the back. All right, if you, you guys, y'all slip a couple bulletins right there. We got a couple of hands right here. Thank you. Thanks. Just keep your hand, slide your hand up, and uh, I forgot to do that when, during baptism. But I want you to look at this. The best is yet to come. That was the sermon right over here, guys. Got a couple. The sermon series is like, how can you talk about judgment? How can you talk about judgment and then turn right back around and talk about the best is yet to come? What are we speaking about? Are we speaking about the revelation itself, the tribulation period? That's not a good time, right? No one would ever in their mind call that the best of times. Are we talking about the great tribulation, the second three and a half years? No one in their right mind would call that. Are we talking about the trumpet judgments or the bold judgments? Well, nobody would ever say those are the best of times because that's the wrath of God being poured out on sin. God's judging. And even during the millennial period, the thousand-year reign of Christ here on earth, that's good times because it's if you will, the perfection of, of us. We're the, the ones of us that have the new bodies. We, we have our heavenly bodies living here on earth. We will eat. We will work. Jesus Christ will reign. But there's also a group of people that's having, that made it through. We'll talk about them when we get there. That's still reproducing babies. Now, we won't because we won't be given in marriage. We like the angels. We're not married or given in the marriage once we have our new bodies. But there's a group that will be here. And that group will actually will produce lost children. You'll see no matter what God does, even a perfect scenario with God himself being here on earth, living as ruler, people will still find a way to sin if they have ability. Now, we won't have the ability, so we'll get to that when we get to that, okay? If you hold on or if you're a guest with us today, turn back in and you'll follow us as we go through the chapters together. Well, let's look in the notes if you would. Everyone loves a good rescue story, don't you? I mean, Hallmark's made tons of money off of it. Uh, they, they write them the same story over and over again, and you ladies watch it over and over again. Why? It'll make you an agnosium. You just watch them. How many of y'all watch the Hallmark shows and think they're great? Raise, raise your hand. Any guys? Don't put your hands up. Jonah, don't put your hand up. I'm just kidding. For the most part, guys will watch it only if their wives make them, right? Or if there's nothing else to do, or if they're sick and they can't go anywhere, right? Or lame. That's the only reason we would actually watch that. And so, but the story's the same. It doesn't matter where it is, from the city, from the country, to get together, yada, yada, and there it is, and the day is over. Well, the rescue story, we like real rescue stories. Remember the young men that were rescued from the cave that was flooded? Loss of life happened. Special forces came in and got them out. Uh, remember the young lady was pulled out of the well? Or maybe the animal that was saved because something happened? Uh, we, we all love a good rescue story, especially when it seems like there's no way to be rescued. Like, that's impossible for that to happen. Or how'd they survive that long? Or how'd the miners stay in the, in the mine that long without oxygen? And how'd they not die? And we, all those questions we ask. And, and when there's a rescue store, we celebrate. Even if we don't know anything about it, we're like, man, that's awesome. Thank you, God, that you did that. 
we can, our prayers even go out to some people sometimes. Well, when it seems hopeless, listen, that's what we have to do. We want a rescue, and we hope for a rescuer. We spend, as a matter of fact, we as Americans spend so much money on our Coast Guard, on our military, and even our first responders. What do you want from a first responder? Anybody? You want to be rescued. You want them to actually respond in the time and make whatever's bad better. You want to be rescued. And so we're thankful for that. We even, as even non-Christians, invest in that, saying uh, we'll pay taxes so that we actually get something out of our taxes. Well, for believers, there's nothing sweeter than being rescued for us, and we call it. A lot of people today in our culture says, you can't use church words anymore with this generation. Well, i got to tell you, this generation's got to get used to the Bible. We won't ever compromise the Bible to this generation, no matter if they love it or like it or lump it, whatever. We're going to come and say, we as Christians call this being saved. Because the Bible says, whoever calls upon the name of the Lord shall be what? Saved. I can't change that to make it more vanilla or more spicy for you. That's just how it is. That's the Word of God, from the Word of God, from God Himself, through the Apostle Paul. He writes it in Romans 10, 13. And he says, listen, for whoever calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. That's what he says. That's verbatim. But here's the deal. If you don't call, you're not going to be saved. You don't have to like that either, but that's the truth from the Word of God. The truth has its opposing uh, truth as well, right? If you don't call on God's name, if you don't believe in Jesus Christ, if you think there's another way to heaven besides through Jesus Christ, what you're doing in a sense is calling Jesus a liar. Because when Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life, no one comes to the Father except by me, you say amen or oh me. But, but Lord, I think there's got to be some other way. Our, our pastor, I think there's surely the goodness. How about this? And we want to we find that missing piece and link it in, right? There's the option. There's no option B. There's no plan B with God. Amen? He is the way, the truth, and life. There is no way for you to get from here to heaven except through Jesus Christ. And you must ask him to come into your heart and life. Does the devil know about Jesus? 100%. He knows him better than you. You know why? Because the devil lived with Jesus. The devil's name used to be called Lucifer. He was created as an archangel, a beautiful. If you look at the Bible, he's a beautiful creation. God created him to be the worship leader, if you will, of heaven. But he got so full of pride because all the worship that was supposed to be going to God, and y'all feel it sometimes when we praise God, you want to raise your hand. If you're not careful, if you're on the platform, you start thinking, wait a minute, they're doing that because our voices sound so good, because our instruments sound so good, or because the preaching's so good. People are praising a little bit of me when they praise him. That's not the truth at all. Amen? I never once, Chris, I love you and love all y'all who sang and played. I never once thought about y'all when I was singing praise to God. Then not one time I'm not going, well, that's, I like the way that sounds. But at the same token, I'm praising the Lord Jesus Christ because the words are what matter uh, to God. And the heart's what matters to God. So when people come to this place and look at Revelation and say, I don't understand Revelation, close the Bible, move on. Listen, they've done God a disservice, but more than God, they've done themselves a disservice. How many years have you sat in church and passed by and, and you just think about Jesus, that poor, little, that poor little skinny fellow from Nazareth, right? What good can come from Nazareth? That's even what was said in the Word, right? Nathaniel said that, oh, Lord, what good can come out of Nazareth? And we think of the crucified Lord and so many people, especially our Catholic friends, still wear a crucifix with Jesus stretched out on the cross and nailed to a cross and not ever coming off. He's not on the cross anymore. He was on the cross for a short time until he died. His side was pierced, and they took his body down. The Bible has a record of it. They put his body in a borrowed tomb, Joseph of Arimathea's tomb, never been used. They rolled the stone in place, and on the third day, the stone was body slammed out of the way. The stone was 
violently thrown away. The guards fell as dead. The women came to the tomb. The disciples came to the tomb, and there was an empty tomb. And the angel said, he is not here. He is risen, just as he said. Amen? That's the God that we serve. Now, we're going to get a picture of what he looks like because everybody says, well, well who is God? And you say, who is God? And some people say, oh, the old man up in heaven. Well, they might have heard this reference one time from their grandma or somebody, but a lot of times people aren't talking about God of the Bible anymore because the, Bible, the God of the Bible divides us. Listen, Jesus said, I did not come to bring peace to this earth. If you're praying for world peace, you're wasting your time. He said, I come to divide. I'm going to divide father against son, mother against daughter. He's going to divide us. Why? Because some of us are going to accept the truth. And when you accept the truth that Jesus Christ is the only way, and then you want to share that truth with some people who think they're religious or think they're right with God, they get offended from you. How do you who do you think you are? Oh, you're going to that church, or you're one of those people, or you're a holy roller. They'll fill in some kind of blank because they're offended by the word of God. They are angry with you, and they actually hate you because you're a Christian. They loved you before you became a Christian. Remember when Paul even wrote, we were reading, hey, what's wrong with you because you used to, and the Bible even uses this words, you used to run with us. You used to run with us. We know what that means. I do. I know what it means. It means you're gonna, you basically used to go sin with us all we wanted to sin. It was fun. We partied. We did all those things. You used to run with us, but now this Jesus stuff you're talking about, man, get away from me. Woman, get away from me. I don't want to hear this stuff because you offend me. Here comes the preacher. They'll give you nicknames. Listen, they'll nickname you at work. They'll nickname you at school. They'll make fun of you in the family. They'll be saying, oh, he's, he's one of those. He goes to that church. He's, he's that guy or that woman or she's that woman. Is it okay to be persecuted for his name's sake? Yes, it is because Jesus himself said in Matthew chapter 5 and 6, blessed are you when they persecute you for his name's sake. Now, you don't go out and start a fight and say, in Jesus' name, I punched you in the face. What you do is you go out and say, listen, Jesus Christ says clearly, you must be born again. You must give your heart and your life to the Lord Jesus Christ. You must ask him to come into your heart and life. Otherwise, you will not, you cannot, you may not be saved. There is no other way except this way. Now, watch this. I want to show you here. John jumps right in verse 9. John identifies with Christians from all ages. He says this. He is our brother and companion in tribulation and kingdom and patient endurance, which are in Jesus. That don't make any sense. You put those words together, you go, wait a minute, he's our brother and companion. I got that. He's a Christian. He's an apostle. He's like, he said, I'm relating to you, my friend, my brother. And listen, though you're in 2023, I hear you. I know you got some tough times ahead of you. I know you got tough times now. This is to the church in Ukraine and the church in Russia. This is the church in America, church in Africa, the continent of Africa. Hey, this is to the church. This is to the people of God everywhere at all times. He says, I understand. I'm your brother and I'm your companion. What is he a companion in? Tribulation. Look at it. You say, well, I don't like tribulation because is he in the tribulation that he's talking about? No, he's just talking about trouble. Go back and look at, if you would, John 16. John 16, go back there for a moment, and I know it's probably going to pop up on the screen, but you need to go there because I added some scripture to it. John 16, look at your Bible. John 16, verse 31 through 33. When you're there, say amen. We're doing Bible drills. Ashley, you there? Ashley and Nevaeh, that's my two champions in Bible drill. These girls can beat almost anybody right now in Bible drill at school. Listen, it pays to have your children in church when they're young, Amen. And it's paying also dividends for having your children in a Christian academy here at Town Creek. Our kids, listen, I'll put our students in my Bible class up against any deacon or elder in any church. The end. I will. Listen, you say, well, that's being confident. 
That's being cocky. It's not being cocky. You listen, they're learning the Word of God and they're making application. Are they perfect? Absolutely not. Have you met them? But neither are you and neither am I. Amen? But the Word of God is being hidden to their heart daily and weekly and monthly. And what's happening is they're producing something new. Mike just took them. I mean, I came up here yesterday to do some studying. And I looked in the back parking lot and all these teenagers' cars are here. And I'm like, where's everybody at? I forgot what day it was. And then the bus was missing. I said, oh, Mike must have went on a recreation thing with the youth. Then I started thinking, no, that's, that, that's that, um, that apologetics thing down in North Augustus. Listen, adults, could y'all stand up for a second? Just all the adults. If you're over the age of 18, could you stand up? Now, I want you to be honest. And the Lord's looking, okay? So if you lie, remember when we were little, we used to say, if I'm lying, I'm dying, all right? So... Don't make us call 911 because you're lying this morning. If, when you were 15 years old, would have given up an entire Saturday to go to a Bible conference all day, would you have done it? Sit down if you would not have done it. Go ahead, be truthful. If you lie, you die. And if you would have done it, stay standing. Some of y'all about to get struck by lightning. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. Listen, young people, look, not everybody's that committed. Even adults, if we said today we're going to do a Bible conference, people are like, hey, Pastor, we get out of here by 12 because Olive Garden's going to be opening soon, right? We've got to go to Augusta first, meet the Methodists, whatever it might be. We, we think, like, we feel my stomach, we feel my pain. These guys gave up a whole Saturday to go to an apologetics conference. I started thinking, Lord, I don't think I'd give up Saturday to go to the apologetics conference. I've had enough. Friday comes, I'm done, I'm up to here. But aren't you thinking we have those young people? Don't you think we have those, obviously, leadership and Pastor Mike and, and all the people, out, the, the adults who volunteered, their, it was their Saturday as well. We all have stuff to do. We all have fun stuff to do. We all have stuff at the home to do, yet they committed that time to go to the Lord. Listen and, and learn more about the Lord. John 16, 31. Go back to verse 31, and it's 33 on the screen, but 31. Jesus answered them, Do you now believe indeed the hour is coming? Yes, has now come that you will be scattered, each to his own, and will leave me alone. And yet I am not alone, because who's with him? The Father. Verse 33 is important, for this is for you and for me today. Listen. These things I have spoken to you, that in me you may have peace. Now you're going to have the internal peace. But in the world you will have what, church? Tribulation, troubles. But be of good cheer, what's happening? I have overcome the world. That's what the Lord Jesus, our Lord, says to us today. So when we read a little bit about him, John said, you've got to endure church. Listen, stay with me. Stay with me. You've got to get to those troubles because God's in charge. And then all of a sudden he's going to see a vision of who he's talking about. Now John knows Jesus as the Nazarene, the one who walked the streets with him. He knows him personally, right? John was one of the 50% of the sons of thunder. John was a radical teenager young man. He wanted to fight. He wanted to call down fire on the Samaritans because they smarted out uh, to Jesus. They smarted off to Jesus. And he said, listen, Lord, him and his brother, should we call down fire from heaven and kill these sorry people? How does that sound like us today? Yeah, he was my kind of guy. He wanted to fight. But then he starts mellowing out. When he meets Jesus, he starts being called the, the apostle or the disciple that Jesus loves. He he rests there with Jesus, wanting to hear from him. He's still himself. His character is changing, but his, his personality is still John. He's still John, this guy who wanted to be a fighter, fisherman, but also was a great man of love. 
but it took God to purify him through a lot of tribulations to get him from the fire, right, to the fireplace, right? Now John's on the mountain. We look at John. How many places in the world? Even Patmos is called the Isle of John or John the Pat, John of Patmos. That wasn't where he was from. Patmos is nicknamed today the Jerusalem of the Mediterranean. Did y'all know that? Because of John. So John's up on the mantle, a fireplace, if you will, on the mantle. We're looking at him going, St. John. Oh, John. John's right to you and say, listen, I'm stuck here on this stinking island. I'm digging out rock for the Roman government. And all the reason I was here is because I was preaching the word of God. And I was preaching that there's no other way but through Jesus Christ alone to be saved. That's why I'm here. You think John was happy when he's digging rock, walking around that raggedy island? Anybody think he's happy? He's in misery. Listen, especially when you get older, you start saying, I can understand you, John. I hear what you're saying. So as John says, listen, I'm your brother. I'm your companion. And he's writing because he's already seen the, the revelation. He's excited because he's going to tell you, listen, he don't talk about the raggedy conditions, does he? Look, he doesn't, he doesn't I'm complaining. Man, my tooth's knocked out. I ain't got no dental work here. I ain't got no 401K. I got nothing here. He's not complaining about anything. Watch what he does. He hears the voice. He's going to turn. Let me get to your notes. And you can read Acts 14, 19 through 22. You can look at that as well. There is a requirement. There's a call to go through tribulation because tribulation is here and always has been. The devil's always opposed the Lord, and he always will. And he'll use other men to oppose Jesus Christ, therefore opposing you. But you have to remember Ephesians 6, 10 through 18 we do not wrestle against our other people in skin. Got it? It looks like a skin fight, but it has nothing to do with skin. Y'all understand? It has nothing to do with the color of your skin, the type of skin, the hair on your skin. It has nothing to do with skin. It has to do with the spirit. There's a spiritual war going on every single day in our fight, in our, in our lives, and it is our fight. So the Satan's coming against you, but you also war against this as well. In Galatians chapter 5, you war against yourself. You war against the spirit. You see it? A war of the world, war of the devil, war of your stinking self, fighting God, wanting to do your own way, wanting to sin your own way. And the Lord said, listen, I'm going to carry you through. So the tribulation from the external is trying to put pressure on the internal. And what you have to do is you have to say, listen, Lord Jesus Christ, only you can see me through. Amen? So he tells us to be prepared. So look at verse, the next uh, notes there. John was a prisoner on Patmos Island. He was exiled there for preaching the word of God regarding eternal salvation and for his personal witness for Jesus, the Messiah, who is the Christ. Have you ever been persecuted for sharing your own testimony? Most Christians today, you look at all the research, Christians are not sharing their faith because they're so afraid. What's going to happen to you? Lose your job? Somebody can say something ugly to you? You won't have any friends at work? Listen, for God's sake, would you please stand for Jesus Christ in a personal witness? You, your friends will not get saved. Your co-workers will not get saved. That professor will not get saved. That politician will not get saved until you speak the word of Jesus Christ in the name of Jesus, the word of God to them. There is no other way. It's not going to come in a dream. It's not going to happen by television. Listen, you see what's on television. There's a mockery of Jesus Christ for the most part. Now, there's some good, but for the most part, people are out there trying to make money off the name of Jesus Christ. Amen? Your personal witness matters. John said, I was personally here because of preaching God's word and my personal witness to his testimony. He was preaching there is no other way. As a matter of fact, John recorded John. Did y'all know that? Amen? We just went through, and we all went through the book of John. It took us a year and a half. 
we learn how to meet Jesus. And John, everything he did, said, listen, Jews, come here. I want you to see Jesus. Gentiles, come here. I want you to see Jesus. And he was preaching Jesus, and Rome said, hey, the politicians said, that's enough. You want to take your Jesus and your word? Get to the island. And John was not the only person on the island, just for the record. I used to think he was there beating rocks by myself when I was a kid. All the prisoners got sent there. So he had all these vile, vulgar people around him as well, cursing Rome. Hey, look, come here. You ever do it when y'all get to the lunchroom or somewhere? When people get upset, what do they do? We do it as well, if you're not careful. You'll draw a crowd then. I can't believe management did that. Y'all believe they took that away from us? That was our benefit. Anybody ever complain about that? I can't believe she said that to me. I can't believe they did that to me. And we are quick to complain and sound like the world, but we're slow to speak for the Lord Jesus Christ. Can I give you some advice? Some of you are going to be offended by this. If you tend to complain, that's what the children of Israel, I'm reading through Exodus as well right now. The children of Israel complained, and everyone over the age of 20 were killed by God. So go ahead and murmur some more, right? You've been warned. Don't complain. Here's the word of advice. Shut your mouth. Cut your fingers off if you're going to type it. Amen? Don't sin against God. Don't let the world see a, a curse on the name of God. I'm the Lord's first. Praise God from all blessings. Flow right, we sing. And then COVID hits. We go, right? Or some other disease or some other thing hits. Well, the government says we can't meet. How many people actually stayed away and are still staying away because the government said God said, do not forsake, listen, the assembling of yourself together. Why? Because when we come together, we praise his name. We get encouraged by each other through our gifts. We say the Lord is one, his body is one, and we celebrate him. Listen, let's continue. I want you to see this. John was in prison, verse 10, to Rome while simultaneously being in praise to God. Prison and praise, how can that happen? Paul demonstrated that, Paul and Silas. But here John said, I'm physically, look, I'm standing on the rock called Patmos. But I'm in the Spirit on the Lord's day. I'm in the presence of God. He said, well, I don't understand that. Me either. But the Bible talks about us as Christians. That's how we live. Did y'all know that? That's our daily walk. We're walking somehow. I don't know how this works. We're walking here on these streets. But we're also present in heaven. How can you be at two places at one time? John just tells us I'm physically on the rock of Patmos. But I'm talking to the rock of ages. Amen? Yo, this has got to get you excited. Look, King, continue. It gets me excited. If you don't go with me, I'm going there by myself. Just want you to know. I'm driving this plane, right? I'm flying it. Listen, he was physically in a very difficult place in his senior years, but he was spiritually in worship with God. You think John would have traded that time on the Isle of Patmos for a luxurious cabin out in the woods? Uh, just a retirement? John's in retirement age. He should, the Lord should be taking it easy on him. He's not retiring. Listen, he's writing down, writing these things in a book. John can't write it fast enough. Lord, and he's no, he's getting it right because the Spirit's moving him to write it. And today we have that book called Revelation, the revelation of Jesus Christ because of John's faithfulness and God's ultimate faithfulness. Well, here's what happened. Watch verse 10 through 11. John heard a loud voice like a shofar. The blessed sound was eternal, alpha and omega, with a message to the churches in Asia. Not only was it to the churches in Asia, it was to the church of 250 Town Creek Road. It's to you and to me. The church is not some place or some building. The church is the people of Ephesus. You understand? This, the, people, the church is not made up of brick and mortar. The church is made up of skin. The, people, the church is you and me. If you think the building's a church, you've got it all wrong. You've missed the point. We are his body. And so he's speaking to his body there 
in Asia, even though he had some, there's some condemning things that are said, there's some praise things that are said coming up as well, but it's still the church, this is still his people. Verse 11, the second part, Jesus called his churches by name. John revealed to all the reality that Jesus was and is in the presence of his churches. Jesus is the head of every church. You say, well, that church, they're doing sinful things. That's not a church then. That's a country club. You can build a building that looks like this. You can put a sign out front that says church, and when you walk in, you can be full of devils. Y'all got really quiet. Why? Because what happens is some of you are like devils when you show up to this church. And we will not tolerate because this is the house of God, unity reigns under the banner of the Lord Jesus Christ. Most people, especially in Baptist churches, what I've raised, I've raised under, they love to fight when it comes to the budget meeting. They can't wait to the annual budget. They can't wait to call the new preacher. They can't wait to install another deacon or whomever it might be because they want to oppose it. Preacher, I'm against it. Y'all know what that means? You ever heard that? You ever heard that? There's no worse sound in the church than you can hear, Preacher, I'm against it. That means I'm against it. How foolish can you be if God has called a man to the church Listen, the church says yes and amen. What happens if God's called him, the church has called the man, you've got to praise it. If God's given us a budget, a work to do, we've got to fund it. Would you agree? Somebody said, well, why do you talk about money? Listen, because it takes money to make the world go around. And all of God's resources are sticking where? Where? Cha-ching does not fall from heaven. Do y'all know that? Right? Did y'all, did y'all know money does not actually fall from heaven? Okay. You said, Pastor, I had to work hard for my money. Who gave you the ability to work? Who gave you the job? Who gave you your life? Who gave you breath? Who gave you the car, the truck, whatever it might be? Listen, for all, for his glory. Some of you had not been doing what I've asked you to do. I asked you to give 10% of your income this year starting. Just give it to the Lord. And I ask you, don't give it here. Just so you know, we don't want it. I want you to receive the blessing from God. Go give 10%. Now give it to a Bible-believing, preaching, teaching church. Amen? Don't, don't, I mean, you can give it here if you want to, but I want you to receive the blessing from God just by giving it. Go give it to a Bible-believing, preaching, teaching church. Give 10% of your income away and watch the blessing of God drop in your house. Watch the blessing of God come in your relationship with other people. Watch the blessing of God come. Through tribulation, yes, but watch the blessing of God come. Some of you haven't taken me up on it. You're still like, I don't know what we'll do. Can't meet the bills. Sell some stuff. Sell that nice new car. Get a raggedy beater. And then give 10% to the Lord. When your birthday money comes in, give 10% to the Lord. When your tax return comes back, oh, y'all done planned your vacation, haven't you? Y'all done spent it. Give 10% to the Lord. Why would you continually say, listen, me, 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 you've got to live. Because I'm running out of time. I've got to see this God that we, we're talking about. Listen, listen, you've got you to live the way he says to live. Well, John 12 and 17, John turned to this powerful voice he heard. When he saw Jesus, John fell at his feet as if he were dying. He feared his presence. He feared his holiness. We have lost every inkling of holiness today in our culture. Everything is whatever you want it to be. Uh, My son Alex showed me, and I showed Mike this morning, people are punching into this artificial intelligence. I told you it was coming. You can look it up for yourself. I wouldn't encourage you to do it with your teenagers, but it's coming, and they're going to be led astray by this mess. It's worse than ever before. But you can type in artificial intelligence, the book of Revelation, and it will show you these pictures, what the computer generates, the intelligence, the artificial intelligence generates as the very picture of heaven. You'll see throne rooms, actually. It will build based on what the input's been from it, and it will build a visual picture. It's no, no human involvement other than human input. Look it up if you're bold enough, but don't stay there. Don't go, oh, that's what it looks like. 
Don't let a computer trick you. And actually, depending on the computer and other scenes, uh, to know who God is. God will not, listen, he's never been seen face to face. So if someone draws even a computer, an image of God, and I know some of you are artistic and you like to express yourself, but don't waste your time drawing a picture of God the Father. Now you can draw this because this is a picture of him, but just you're never going to get it right because you don't know it all. It's just a partial, right? Because it will scare you if you look. Verses 12 through 16, John revealed the vision of our glorified Christ to all generations. Well, what does he look like? Let's go back to verse 12 if we could really quick. Then I turned to see that voice that spoke with me. And having turned, I saw seven golden lampstands. That's a menorah. If you ever see a menorah, this candle, it sticks up. It has seven, seven different uh, candlesticks. And in the midst of the seven lampstands, one, like the Son of Man, clothed with a garment down to his feet and girded about his chest with a golden band. He's in all white. He's golden band. You heard what Mike read about Daniel. Daniel reads about the Ancient of Days. That's a picture of God the Father. And what are we seeing here? Whoa, whoa, whoa. I thought this was Jesus. Is Jesus... And the Father one. Come on now. Is the Spirit and the Father and Jesus one? Come on now. Listen, now we're starting to see something. Wait a minute. Daniel saw it hundreds of years before. And now John's seeing it. And John knew it. Remember, John walked with Jesus. John ate with Jesus. John even saw Jesus on the Mount of Transfiguration. He saw him transfigured into his brightness, into his glory. John has had an experience with saying, wow, that's Jesus. And he had to keep it quiet. But now the Lord's allowing him to write this down. Here's what he sees. Watch this. So th this man, this is where you get the idea of an old man up in heaven. And listen, he's not some old man up in heaven. Verse 14, his head and his hair were white like wool. Talks about the purity of God. As white as snow, and his eyes were like flames of fire. Have you ever looked at welding sometimes? What do you ever do when you're a kid, if you're around welding? You ever have an adult say, hey, turn your eyes, cover your eyes. How many of you have ever seen a welding, somebody weld? Have you, how many of you ever looked at it with the naked eye? Yeah, yeah. Even when they said, don't look, what'd you do? Right? That's what John's saying. This is what he looked. This is what his feet, verse 15. His feet were like fine brass, as refined in a furnace. And his voice was the sound of many waters. I started thinking about those feet made of brass. Brass is really hard. And I thought about back in Genesis when it says, He shall what? Bruise his heel. But what's going to happen? His heel shall crush stinking devil's head, right? I think about those brass feet stepping on the head of the devil, right? He didn't know what was coming when he was messing with God. And he's going to find out forever and ever and ever. Amen? Listen, he messed with the wrong one, and he's going to get the benefit of being in sin or the baggage that comes with sin. And look, here's, here he is. And his feet were like fine brass, as if refined in a furnace. His voice was the sound of many waters. He had in his right hand seven stars. Out of his mouth went a sharp two-edged sword, which is the word of God. And his countenance was like the sun shining in its strength. How many of y'all, you'll experience it today, have been driving down Whiskey Road, and the sun hits you right in the eye? You're like, oh, you're like pulling up, like just trying to pull the visor down, pulling your passenger visor down, trying to, now they make it when they break away and turn for you, right? And if you ever looked at the green light, you don't know where to go or stop because you can't look and see because it's so bright. You're looking around trying to find that peep uh, spot where you can see if it's green. That's what John's saying. He was so bright, I couldn't even look on him. I did see those eyes piercing, and I saw the radiance of the Father uh, of God. I saw the white clothes. I saw his sash, and all of a sudden, listen, when he speaks, he overwhelmed me. It was overwhelming the words, and I fell as if it were as dead. John says that in verse 17, and the word of God was coming forth out of his mouth. But John revealed the vision of our glorified Christ to all generations. Jesus touched John with his right hand and instructed John not to be afraid because he himself was the first and the last. Isn't that a good word? I'm the A to the Z. 
Amen? That's what he says in the, in the Greek language. I'm the Alpha and the Omega. He lives and was dead, and he is alive forevermore. Jesus is, and I told the church this morning, I told the prayer team this morning, we prayed. I thought of the janitors back in high school, always carried a big old keychain. You ever, you ever seen the guy, has a cable that you just pull it out, they unlock the door, and comes back to their side. Y'all know what I'm talking about? Who knows what I'm talking about? Yeah, all right, so this is what I imagine when I read this. And of course, I got a vivid imagination, but here's what Jesus says of himself. This is so stinking awesome. It's awesome. Jesus is the owner of the keys of hell and death. For the believer, there is no more fear of death and hell because we are overwhelmingly victorious through our wonderful Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen? Paul writes in Romans 8, what can separate me from the love of God? Nothing. He calls through all these lists. He even lists death. Can death separate you from the love of God? Any created thing, Paul said, separates you from the love of God? No, we should look. Listen, we should walk out. I don't know how ladies do it, but guys, we kind of suck in there and walk around like bandy roosters, right? Not cocky to the point because we know we get whipped, right? But bandy roosters, when we grew up, they, they would hang in there with the game roosters. They looked like game, so much smaller, but they'd walk around, and the bandy rooster would just go in, and he'd pop a game rooster in the head. Or he'd try. He's short. And he'd walk around, he'd hit the dog or cat, and he didn't measure up. But listen, what happens if the bandy rooster, and I had a pet rooster named Petey. Remember Petey, Mama? I killed Petey. Because my dad made me leave him at home because I couldn't take him to town. I threw him in the utility room and slammed the door, and he tried to fly out, and I shut his neck on the door. Oh, oh Petey. I need counseling, y'all, for Petey. <laughs> but Petey would find himself in the mirror. I don't know why Mom let me bring a chicken in the house, but I carried that chicken around for a while. I don't, I don't have a lot of memories as a kid, but I see if you remember Petey. That crazy little rooster, he was, he was a little bad to the bone. And I'd put him down, and the other roosters would come up on him, and they would go to hit him, and what did I do? Poof! I'd kick the mother roosters, right? Petey thought they were afraid of him. But it was me behind Petey actually kicking the other roosters so I could keep him out of the way. Y'all listen today. We don't fear death or hell. Not because we're little bantam roosters. We got no, no authority whatsoever in ourselves except that which is given to us by Christ Jesus. Amen? we got somebody behind us, in us, and around us, the Bible says, who has kicked death and hell forever. There is, it's been locked up. He's, if you will, psh, psh, hell, psh, psh, the death. What do you have to fear? And when COVID hit, what is the biggest thing that happened to the church? The church feared death. We sang about it. We preached it prayed it. Now, we didn't close down here. Listen, we don't fear it. We say if, you, if, you, if, you, if you're sick, stay home. I don't care if you got COVID or just a regular cold. Get out of here. Don't make me sick, right? Be safe. But we didn't close the house of the Lord because we came here to worship Him in spirit and in truth. And if you're too sick because your lungs are bad, whatever else might be, we understand that. By all means, stay away. But listen, don't forget the Word of God. We have overcome the death and hell because of the Lord Jesus Christ. We're victorious. We can, whatever He says, we can say, I'm with Him. That's all you got to say. Let the devil tell you how, good, how no good you are. I'm with Him. I can't afford it. I'm with him. Amen? Anytime you go through troubles, those tribulations, John said, look, what's John saying? Listen, I was on the Isle of Patmos. And he didn't tell us he's slaving away. We know that. But then he saw Jesus, and what does he do? I'm with him. And he says, here's the change. Let's shift gears. Hey, brothers, my companions, my brothers, my sisters, when you go through tribulation, we're with him. Even in the kingdom, we're with him. Listen, endure patiently because why? He's with us and I'm with him. 
And listen, it can't get any better, church, as we preach through this book of Revelation, as we see these awful things that are coming, that glorious thing is coming. It's called heaven. And one day, listen, you're sanctified when you're saved. It means you're set apart. You're justified, meaning God does not count your sin against you anymore. He put all that sin on Jesus. And you're currently being sanctified day by day by day through the washing of his word. If you're reading his word, by the way, if you're not reading his word, you're just going to be stalemate. Barely get in by the skin. The smell of smoke is going to be in heaven. Just like, who's that, man? Dude who didn't read his Bible. Sister who didn't pray at all. She barely came in. You're going to be smelling like you've been in a campfire. Just barely missing the smoke of hell. Read that. It's in the Bible. Some of you need to get busy and get serious with God. Read his word and get busy doing the work that he has preordained for you to do. Ephesians 2.10. You have been saved. Now get to work. The church of God is lazy. And we're, listen, we've kicked it up in neutral thinking, it's going to be okay. I'm getting, at least I got my ticket to heaven. Yes, you do if you're saved. But my God, could you imagine standing before this God with his holy eyes looking at you and saying, well, well done, thou good and faithful servant over here. Well done, good and faithful servant. Hey, listen, enter to your just reward. Well done, well done. Well, what, why? Were you too involved in the stuff of the world? Too much good stuff going on that I gave you in creation? Did I bless you too much? Why did you not do what I told you to do? It's, listen, you are going to give an account. If you're here today and you're not a Christian, you're going to hell. That's your judgment. Because Jesus said, I paid it all. Jesus paid it all on the cross. Everyone who calls by the name of the Lord shall be saved. Let me pay for your debt. You ever have somebody buy your dinner, lunch? You don't have to do that. Don't, you, don't y'all do that? Like, here, you don't have to do that. Jesus said, listen, let me pay your debt. All you have to do is ask me. And I already paid for it. All you do is ask me and receive the free gift. The free gift, listen, is from God. It's everlasting. Finally, listen. God revealed to John a mystery. John explained the mystery of the seven stars and the seven golden lamps. And you can read that. It's self-explanatory. Ask you two questions at the end of the day. And I know it's been a long service today. Are you confident in your personal salvation with Jesus Christ? Do you know that you know that you know that you're saved? Jesus comes today or you die right now as we were singing that song. Are you going to heaven? Yes or no? Listen, only you know that. Don't wait and say, I'll, I'll think about that next week. Are you boldly telling others about the way of salvation through Jesus Christ alone? It's got to be a yes or no. It can't be both ways. When we went to China, I'm up to my hips in mud. We're on the top of a mountain. I can't breathe. I'm fat. I'm out of shape. Climb up. We're 13,000 feet. I feel like I've got needles in my lungs. And the Tibetan priest comes over. We're building a biofilter well so we can give fresh water to the bottom of the mountain. 1,400 feet down. Run the pipe. And he comes over in all his regalia and says, do not speak his name in all this territory. We're in these ice pick type mountains. It's not the Blue Ridge. It's spiky like ice picks turned upside down. And I asked the missionary, Casey, he's a big old country boy. I said, Casey, what did he say? He said, don't speak his name anywhere on, in this mountain. He's in charge of this whole re- region. And I said, you tell him. That's <laughs> why so I got to be careful where I go on mission. You tell him I traveled halfway around the world. I flew 30 stinking hours on a plane to get here to give his people fresh water that he could have been doing all these years, right? Y'all have done nothing for your people. And we come to give him living water. We will speak his name because his name is Jesus. And Casey said, Bo, you just got us killed. I was like, didn't you come here on the mission field to live for Jesus Christ? He goes, yeah, I did. I said, then aren't you willing to die for Jesus Christ? 
If you're not willing to die for Christ, I promise you, you will never live for him. So he says this. Casey turns and says to him, he says in some gibberish language I didn't understand. He was speaking in tongues there in front of me. He said something to the man. The man goes, he grabs a big wad of his real beautiful outfit. He goes, whew. And blah, 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 blah. And I said, what did he say? And I'm in mud. can't breathe. I'm ready to die anyway. Like, Lord, please run a sword through me because I'm ready to get out of this miserable condition. And he says, we're terrible masons. We were building a biofilter well, if you ever built one, and in nice brick. And he said, you're terrible masons. And I said, you tell him, and I'm pointing like this because he knows I'm serious. I'm in the mud. You tell him. This is for his people. If he can do a better job, and they were very good masons, then get his behind in this daggum hole. And we already laid a slab the day before. Then get in this hole, or two days before, get in this hole and do it himself. So t- Casey says, you're definitely going to get us killed. So he turns and he's, we're, under, we're in the mud. He, and he's, blah, blah, blah. Casey says something to him and the guy goes, huh. He takes off his regalia, hangs it in a tree. He has some little girl pajamas on. I just tell you, he rolled them, out, he rolled them all the way up here. He gets in the hole, knocks all of our bricks down, and he gets on that slab, and he starts laying brick, and he's, he's, he's good. And I said, Casey, now tell him about Jesus from Genesis to Revelation. Don't forget anything. God, listen, the creation, the fall of man, redemption through Jesus Christ alone. Tell him all of it. And I'm praying. Lord, I'm praying like I've never been praying before. And at 13,000 feet, I'm hoping Jesus is coming, right? Or I'm dying because I'm praying like this. Lord, it's hard to breathe. And then he finishes he cleans himself up. He gets out of the hole. Nice biofilter, well built. It works. It functions. We've got water out at the bottom of the mountain. He washes himself, gets dressed, goes back to his house. Casey said, we're probably going to die. He calls us to his house, and the, our hosts were not Christians, and they were so petrified because no one goes to the priest's house unless you're in trouble. you got to bribe him, or they don't have money to bribe. And he gave all of us different names, and he called Alex. He didn't know Alex was my son. Alex is redhead if you don't know my oldest son. And he called him a name. He said, you are this. And he said something. I said, Casey, what did he call him? He said, well, he called him the son of the blessed one. He's like, he gave him a title, like second highest title. He goes, that's unheard of. Something's wrong. And then he called me up. And I stood before him. And he said, Casey's like interpreting for me. And he called me the blessed one. Casey said, he just gave you the same title as him. He just equaled you to him. Well, we prayed and we ate together. Nothing spectacular happened. We left, came home. Two weeks later, Casey sends me an email with a picture attached to it. said, hey, Bo, that's what he calls everybody. Hey, Bo, check this out. The man accepted Jesus Christ. The Tibetan priest accepted Jesus Christ and was baptized by a traveling pastor who was coming through in one of the lakes, of the freezing lakes up there, baptized him in that lake. And he says, hey, he will actually come and share the gospel through this whole region before the government has the time to get out here. No one's coming out here. So this whole region more than likely is going to become Christian because of this Tibetan priest. Is God good, church? Amen. Listen, I got the man's picture in my office. Praise God, he's good. That's his power for God. Listen, if we're willing to live for Christ and die for Christ, we can do anything for Christ. Make sure you're ready. Amen. Let's pray. Father God, we do praise you today. And Lord, as we have lift up our voices, we think we're singing to this, these eyes of fire, of, of purity, this hair of, well, Lord, the, the idea of sinlessness. God, we can't even, even our imaginations run wild trying to think of what you look like. And Lord, trying to attach holiness to that. Lord, as we grow older and day by day, Lord, may you make us more and more like Jesus Christ. May we catch our tongues and may we catch our actions. May we turn away from sin 
and turn to Jesus and turn our friends and family to Jesus as well. Lord, we can't do it by ourselves. Only you can do it. But Lord, through you, you give us the power to live this Christian life. Oh, how we need you every hour, Lord. We need you. Pray for my friends here. If somebody's not a Christian, today would be the day of salvation. If someone's never followed through a believer's baptism, like Lily demonstrated this morning, that they would follow you in believer's baptism after salvation. Father, I pray for those Christians that are lukewarm, like we get to the Church of Laodicea, that they would, Lord, you would fire them up through your word, through the Spirit, and Lord, you would turn them on high and hot, that they would go tell the world personally, have a personal witness for Jesus Christ. So we pray these things in and for the name of Jesus. Amen, amen, and amen. Church, let's stand together. This is our time of prayer, invitation, giving our heart and lives to Christ. Mike will be here. I'll be here. Adrian will be here. Just come. If God leads you, listen. If you need to pray, we invite you to come. This is the time of invitation.